Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. But we're in a series called For the Sake of Others. For the Sake of Others. And uh, this series is we're learning how to live the way of Jesus for the sake of others. And it's very easy to make our whole lives, even our spiritual lives, all about us. I think we come to church sometimes like because we need something. We need whether it's like hope or we need purpose or we need new identity. And God wants to speak to us. God wants to encounter us. God wants to help us. But God also wants to use your life as a vessel to bring the gospel, bring the hope of the world to other people. And I think in a very um, like self-focused culture, it's easy to allow that to impact even the way we do church and Christianity. And so the design and the desire behind this series is to help us to see that God actually wants to use our life to be a blessing to other people. So that's what we've been talking about. Now, week one, we sort of talked about the mindset or the motivation, and we looked at the mind of Christ and how Christ came to serve others. He didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus laid down his life so that we could find life. And that's sort of what we're called to do as well. And then last week, um, we saw the effort for living for others. And that it isn't easy, but it's worth it to see people find relationship with Jesus. And tonight, as we close this series, we're going to talk about living for the sake and benefit of other Christians. We're called to help one another out in our walk with God. Christianity isn't a lonely or singular experience. God places us in a family or community, and we are here to help each other walk and grow in our relationship with God. And so I've titled this message, For the Sake of the Christian, or sake, For the Sake of Other Christians. Um, when I was... Uh, so I, one of my hobbies that I enjoy doing is surfing. And when my dad is a really good surfer, and I grew up surfing with him, he was the one that took me to the beach, pushed me into my first wave, got me my first surfboard, the whole thing. And I remember one time I had gotten um, pretty seriously hurt surfing. Um, do you guys want the gory details, or should I just move past it? Okay. So I was surfing shore break across the street from my house, and I fell, and the fin of my surfboard went into my back, and it went so deep that, like, when I went to the hospital, the nurse put her finger into the hole of my back, and the only thing that stopped it from going farther was her finger wasn't long enough. Like, that's how deep it was. Um, so I had to get a bunch of stitches. I still have a scar on my back. Um, it's very interesting. Anyways, so I, I kind of, like, had that moment and I quit surfing. Now, quitting surfing is not normal. If you're a skateboarder, at least when I was a skateboarder, quitting skating was something you did like every other weekend. You like fell, you broke your board, you're like, I quit. I remember talking to my friends growing up and they'd be like, I quit skating. They're like, we literally were just skating yesterday. But, but surfing is not the same way. Surfing, you just kind of like get into, you never stop. But I had quit surfing after that injury because I was like, I'm done with it. So anyways... <clears throat> I was surfing with my dad. He was, like, trying to convince me to go back. And I remember I had fallen on a wave, like, got stuck. In, like, it just was a bad experience. And I remember coming up out of the water, gasping for breath, and, like, like furious at my dad. Like, this is your fault kind of thing. Like, I'm so done with this. And I remember that day he, like, 
paddled in. He got next to me. We were right in what's called the impact zone where the waves are breaking. He got right next to me, and he was like, Nate, you can do it. You can handle this. And he got with me, and he kind of gave me a push, and he got me back out into the lineup. And I remember it was just a few short sessions after that that I kind of like, I got hooked. And it's kind of like a sickness where you can't, you can't stop thinking about it. And Hannah could attest to this. Like, I call it like I'm frothing, and like nothing else makes sense, and I just have to get to the beach. Anyway, that's too much information. But what my dad did in that moment is what the Bible would call bearing with one another. Where there was this moment where I was at like an all-time low, ready to give up, just I was done with it. He came alongside me, he spoke encouragement to me, and got me ultimately to where I was wanting to be. And the biblical idea of that is bearing with one another. Bearing with one another. And this is a calling for the Christian. That the follower of Jesus is called to bear with other Christians. That we are to come alongside each other, speak encouraging words, and help us get to where God wants us to go. And that's kind of what I want us to talk about tonight. That there's three passages of scripture that I want us to look at that we are instructed to bear with one another and then what that looks like. So the first one is this. You could jot this down. Bear with one another's calling. Bear with one another's calling. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, it says this. As prisoner for the Lord, the Apostle Paul's writing as a prisoner for the Lord, he says then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. And then here it is. Bearing with one another in love. The writer encourages us to walk worthy of our calling. Everyone say, walk worthy. God has placed a calling on each of our lives. Part of that calling is to know him. It is to serve him. It is to be a witness of him. And so our, what he's speaking of is that our behavior has to match our calling. In other words, our person has to match our purpose. What I mean by that is God has placed a calling on your life. He set you apart. He's made you unique. He, he, he's placed plans and, and favor and purposes on your life. And your person, your behavior, who you are, should match the height of God's calling on your life. And oftentimes, especially as young people or as we're navigating what God has for us, our behavior, what we're getting into, how we're acting, how we're reacting, doesn't match the great calling that God's placed on your life. Are you with me? God has called you. God wants to use you. God sees you and he knows you. And he's, all the things in your life are designed by God for him to use you for his glory in his purpose. And oftentimes our behavior or our actions or our posts or our conversations or our text threads or whatever it looks like doesn't match the calling that God has on our life. And so what he tells us, he says, walk worthy of the calling. Make sure that your person matches your purpose. But then notice that in this text specifically, he's saying that we need one another to fully walk worthy of our calling. He isn't saying, hey, you by yourself, get it together and walk worthy of your calling. He says, walk worthy of your calling and bear with one another 
in love. What is being said is that in order for you to walk worthy of your calling, I need to walk worthy of my calling. And in order for me to walk worthy of my calling, I need you to walk worthy of your calling. That part of God using us as the body of Christ is that it's not just about me doing what I'm supposed to do, but it's about us doing what we're supposed to be doing. And so there's limitation on what God wants to do in my life when you're not walking in what God wants to do in your life. Are you with me? Because we are a part of a body. We're part of a family. We're part of what the church of Jesus Christ. And in order for us to accomplish God's goal on the earth, we need to come together and walk worthy of our calling. And so he says, bear with one another. Come alongside each other. Encourage one another to walk worthy of your calling. Sometimes, oftentimes, we sell ourselves short, and then sometimes we see ourselves or we see others selling themselves short, and we don't do anything about it. And we're called to come alongside, encourage, so that we might walk, that we might embrace what God wants to do in our lives and for our lives. I think sometimes we think that good things happening to someone else means one less good thing for me. And so oftentimes, even in our, our spirituality, even our spiritual growth, we see other people being used by God and we think, oh, there's no more room for me to be used by God. That is not the way it works in the kingdom of God. We all need to step into what God has for us and there is room for all of us to embrace and walk in the call of God for our lives uniquely and individually. And I would go as far as to say uh, that we need you to walk in your calling. That it's not like there's not enough room. In fact, we actually need you to step up and walk into your calling. That the church is going to be better when you embrace what God wants to do in your life and through your life. So walk worthy. Be faithful. Be loving. Be compassionate. Be sincere. Be transparent. Allow God to build you up and change your life and, and produce the things that he wants to in your life so that you can walk worthy of your calling. So we must bear with one another's calling. Second thing is this. We must bear with one another's humanity. Bear with one another's humanity. Okay, Colossians chapter 3. This is a different text, but it's talking about the same idea of bearing with one another. It says this. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance, I like that word grievance, grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Bear with each other and forgive one another. One of the things about Christians and people in general is that we offend and wrong each other. Did you know this? That part of the human experience is that we offend and wrong one another. And if you haven't been offended or offended someone, you're approximately one month old. Like, up until, like, after that, you've probably offended or wronged somebody. Um, you can't be around people and not get your feelings hurt, be mistreated, or feel sinned against, right? It's impossible. Like, go to school, you have a friend, you live a life, you will be offended, and you will offend. Can I get an amen? Like, that's life. That is the human experience. 
But part of bearing with one another is learning how to forgive. And really, there's only two types of forgiveness that we need to learn to give. One is acknowledged wrong. What I mean by that is when somebody's wronged you, they know they've wronged you, they've come and apologized to you, and now sort of the ball's in your court. What are you going to do with that? And what the Bible tells us to do is forgive. It's to, it's to move on. It's to say, I forgive you. We can, we can move past this. Now, there's a reality. Um, my grandpa used to get upset with me. Um, not upset with me, but he would correct me um, if, I, if, if like, somebody apologized and I said, it's okay. Um, and the reason for that is because sometimes it's, it wasn't okay. Right? Like, you were actually wronged. It's not okay. It's not okay for you to treat me like that. It's not okay for us to behave like this. The proper response is, I forgive you. It's forgotten. We're moving on. That's the past, and we are moving forward. And so part of learning to forgive is learning to let go of things when people acknowledge that they've wronged you. And on the flip side, we have to be willing to acknowledge when we've wronged somebody. We have to humbly, awkwardly, it's never not awkward to ask for forgiveness. It's always hard, it's always awkward, and never gets easier. In fact, I would say it only gets harder. The older you get and the more stubborn and stuck in your ways you get, the harder it is to come along and say, I messed up, will you forgive me? And when somebody acknowledges they're wrong towards you, you have to say, yeah, I forgive you. Now, it doesn't mean like all of a sudden you're going to be whisked off into great friendship once again. Like it's hard, it's difficult, you have to work through things. But when somebody acknowledges that they've wronged you, it is on our, it is our responsibility, especially within Christians, to say, I forgive you, let's move forward. Now, there's a second type of forgiveness that we have to learn to give, and that is unacknowledged wrong. Sometimes, I would say oftentimes, people wrong you, and they don't ask for forgiveness. And what's really easy What tends to happen is we allow that to develop bitterness in us, right? We're we're first, the first offense is that they wronged us. The second offense is time has passed and they haven't apologized to us. And now we're just like fuming. We're like, I wish they would. Like, I'm going to lose my, right? Like, we're like, we're losing our mind. And what happens is unforgiveness leads to bitterness in your heart. And let me tell you that bitterness only hurts you. One of the things about bitterness that happens is it's like, ah, it like agitates us. And we think we're like doing something, right? We think like, I'm so mad at them. And they're just off living their life. They're just off doing their thing. They have no clue that you're even mad at them. They're just like, oh, I I didn't know. And so bitterness, it only hurts and offends the person that's holding on to bitterness. And so what we have to learn to do is forgive even when somebody doesn't apologize. Because it releases them and it releases us from getting trapped and allowing this root of bitterness, like the Bible uh, talks about, taking place, taking root in our heart and in our life. So part of bearing with one another is recognizing you will be offended, right? All right, good night, you guys. 
you will be offended. Like that is the human experience. It's no different in church. I think part of the reasons why the church is often accused of being hypocritical is because people come in, come in expecting that the church is going to be perfect. It's not. Like we're a mess. Like all of us, myself included, like we are a mess. We make mistakes. We offend, we do the wrong thing, we react poorly, we say things we shouldn't say. Like, that is what we do. And yet God loves us anyways. And God forgives us. And then notice what he says. He says, so you ought to forgive as you've been forgiven. That the way, the motivation that we are able to forgive people that wrong us is by looking at what we've been forgiven of. What have we been forgiven of? Well, if you've placed faith in Jesus, everything. Everything you've ever done, everything you will do, and everything you are doing, forgiven. And so that becomes our motivation to forgive one another. In fact, Jesus directly connects our forgiveness with our ability to forgive. Jesus says that forgive as the Lord forgave you. And he says that that, 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 that will actually be how you're forgiven. Actually, I'm gonna, I thought I put that verse in my notes. I'm going to read it. It's Matthew chapter 6. Let me find it real quick. Give me a second. Is that okay? Matthew 6. Find it. Forgive. Listen, he says forgive. Um, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their sins, listen to this, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's pretty sobering. Jesus says that it is important, it is necessary, it is key that we forgive one another. Okay, the third and final thing is this, is we must bear with one another's struggles we got to bear with each other's calling because it's important for you to walk in your calling that will help me walk in my calling and vice versa. Uh, we must bear with one, an one another's humanity, recognizing that we will be offended, we will be wronged. Human beings will do that, and so we must be quick to forgive with the ability to let go so bitterness doesn't take root in our heart. And we also need to bear with one another's struggles. Listen to this, Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. It says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. And then notice it says, carry each other's burdens. It could also be translated, bear with each other's burdens. And in this, you will fulfill the law of Christ. This third bear with one another is connected to our sins and struggles. And it gives them a few instructions. It says those that are strong in their faith should help those that are weak. Those that are strong in their faith should help those that are weak. In other words, if you're spiritually mature, if you feel like you've grown, if you, if you know you're not a brand new Christian, you've been walking with God for a while and there's maturity, he says you should help those that are weak. It is so important for those that are walking with God, that maybe those that you've, you've been walking with God for a while or you've grown a lot or you find yourself in a, a, a position of, of, of authority or a position of uh, leadership, 
Maybe you're here, maybe like worship team or group leader or something like that. It is important because you're in a position of leadership that you recognize that people look up to you and you should help those that are what we would, or what the Bible says is weak or maybe new or not as strong as you are. It's important that we that are strong help those that are weak. But then there's a second instruction. It also says, but take heed you that think they're strong, lest you're tempted also. That there's this instruction that we're given. Now the main point of these verses is that we would help one another overcome struggles so that we can all be strong in our faith. That's the point. The main point is that we would help one another overcome struggles so that we all become strong in our faith. The goal for every Christian is to get strong in their faith. We want to sin less. We want to be used by God more. We want to be a blessing to those around us. But we need each other in order to get strong. And in order to do this, we need to live open and honest with one another as we have struggles. Can I tell you, secret sin is the most dangerous sin. Find someone you trust that you can talk to. If there's things in your life, if there's, there's sins in your life, if there's struggles that you're facing, it is so important that you talk with somebody about them. Because let me tell you first, everyone sins, everyone struggles. So if you confess something to somebody else, it's not like they're going to be like, <gasps> you still do that? No, that's just everyone has their thing. Everyone struggles. Everyone has temptation. Everyone has weakness. And so it's important that you recognize, like, I'm not alone. They might not struggle the same way, but you're not alone in your struggle. So it's important that you, you find someone you can talk to and you can express your struggle with. And, listen, we need to be patient and understanding with people as they struggle. Sometimes victory might come as you help carry their burden. I think oftentimes we place our timeline on somebody else's struggle. And we say, okay, you're struggling with this. You have this long to get it together. And after that, you're on your own. Aren't you glad God's not like that with us? That he's like, hey, you have six months. If it doesn't work out, sorry, buddy. Figure it out. No, God actually walks with us and is with us for our whole life. And he's patient. And he watches as we get a little forward progress and then we fall flat on our face. And he's not like, well, okay, two more times and you're out of here. No, he's over and over again as we struggle, as we fail, as we, as we fall short. God is with us, wanting us to grow and get strong. But listen, you're not going to get strong on your own. You need people that will come alongside you to help you grow in your relationship with God. Worship team, you guys can come up here. I'm going to close with a story. There's a powerful story that illustrates this in the Old Testament. It's in Exodus chapter 17. This is when Moses, who was the leader of the nation of Israel, was called by God to take the people of Israel out of captivity um, to the Egyptians and then ultimately into the promised land. 
And part of leaving Egypt and getting to the promised land was there was all this opposition, all of this difficulty that they had to walk through. And one of which was a, a, a people called the Amalekites. And it says this, Exodus 17. It says, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Now, the Amalekites in the Old Testament are often a picture of flesh, of sin, of struggle. The, the different people groups that the Israelites would constantly face, they have different pictures because of the struggles and temptations that would happen with them. But the Amalekites, it's a picture of our flesh, our self, our own sin. And it says, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites of Rephidim. Do you ever feel like that? That your own flesh, your own sin attacks you? Like you're minding your own business, you're living your life, and then it just out of nowhere, it attacks you. And so Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. It's an interesting story, right? So Moses goes up. Joshua and the people are fighting the Amalekites. Moses has got the rod of God in his hand. This is the same rod that parted the Red Sea, the same rod that turned into a snake, the same rod that caused the water to be turned to blood, all of these things. So he's holding up the rod of God in his hand. And every time his hands were up, the Israelites were winning. And if his hands went down like he sneezed, the Amalekites started winning. It's pretty interesting. So here he is, he's got his arms up. And then notice what happens. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other. So listen, his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. So here we have this picture. Moses is called to hold up the rod. And when he held it up, they had victory. They were winning. They were overcoming. They were walking in what God had for them. But as he got tired, his arm began to fall. And when his arm fell, they began to lose. So what happened? People came alongside him. They sat him down. And they helped hold up Moses' arms so that they wouldn't go down, so that they would all find victory. Can I tell you that's what we all need? We need to both have those people and be those people that come alongside and hold up arms so that we can have victory over whatever struggles we face. We will struggle alone. We will struggle alone. But when you can find people that will encourage you, that will bear with you, that will hold your arms up so that you can find victory in what God has for you. And when you can be the type of person that comes alongside your friends, your family, the people here in this church, that you're saying, I'm going to hold up your arms so that you can find victory over whatever you're struggling with, you will find victory. But listen, you've got to be honest. You've got to be transparent. 
You've got to be willing to open up about the things that are going on in your life. And you've got to keep being willing to be open about what's going on in your life. Sometimes we like offload a confession and then we just think that that's it. When we need to be willing to keep coming back, keep circling back, keep talking about it so that we can find victory in it. Be encouraged. There's people that will help you walk with God if you will look for him. And listen, don't just wait around as you think you're Moses, thinking, I need somebody to come hold my arms up. Man, maybe you're supposed to be that Aaron to somebody else. Maybe you're supposed to be the one that comes along and says, hey, can I help you? Can I encourage you? Can I hold your arms up so that you, so we all can find victory in what God wants to do in our life? Listen, you are not an island. (laughs) It's not just about you. It's about us. It's about us walking with God and everything that God does in you is meant to flow through you for the sake of others. It's not just about you. It's about us. And listen, I need you to be the person God's called you to be. The people in this room need you to be the person God's called you to be. The friends and family and, and, and loved ones or strangers that don't yet know God need you to be the person God's called you to be. It's time for us to step up and step into the plans that God has for us for the sake of others. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray for us.